When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, and we've got the whole crew here to do a roundtable looking back on the season. So it's Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Doug Maurice, Irie Harris. Uh, and we threw some questions out to our Football Insider subscribers, and we're going to answer those questions ourselves. I'll, of course, share their answers as well. Uh, so just a preview we're going to talk about the person most to blame for the Browns missing the playoffs. We're going to talk about our confidence level in Deshaun Watson in 2023, our confidence level in the Browns organization, the person with the most pressure in 2023, and then we're going to rank the AFC North by confidence level, sort of like how good do we think they'll be just because we're confident in that team and that organization. Um, so that's what's coming up here on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. So let's start by playing the blame game. The person most to blame for the Browns missing the playoffs is blank. So I gave our texters three options, plus I gave them another option, and we did get some write-ins for that as well, which we can get into. But let's just do this. This was actually Doug's suggestion. Mary Kay, who do you think our texters picked from the list of Kevin Stefanski, Joe Woods, and Andrew Barry? Or do you think there there were so many people that had another option that that's the one that won? Who do you think they picked from that group as the most to blame for the Browns missing the playoffs? So I'm sure everyone would say Joe Woods for this answer, but I, I think that uh, that fans, that texters could probably also have made a case for Deshaun Watson uh, because, you know, he is the one who got suspended for the first 11 games of the season. And you can make a case that if he hadn't been suspended for that long, or if he hadn't done the things that he had done to get suspended or whatever the case may be, that, uh, you know, that this season would have gone differently. Uh, but since you did not really present him as, uh, you know, as an option, I'm guessing that it's one of the threes that you, three that you mentioned. Uh, and in, in that scenario, I would think that most people would blame Joe Woods. Anybody else want to venture a guess here as to who our texters picked? No, Doug, I, I also think? think it was Joe Woods. Okay, so Ashley says Joe Woods. Doug, these are just guesses as to who our texters picked. Yeah, I'll say Joe Woods for the texters too. I read, do you think they picked Joe Woods? I'm going to block the, the clean sweep and say Stefanski. Well, I read our winner. Our texters picked Kevin Stefanski and by a fairly large margin, 39%. Good. And, and Joe Woods was at 27%. Now, Mary Kay Deshaun Watson did come up as uh as an other mm-hmm. as a fill-in roger goodell also came up as a fill-in um jimmy haslam <laughs> is in this list paul de podesta one of the write-ins um somebody just put in the entire coaching staff doug you said good when when i said that i actually thought it was interesting that kevin won this i was kind of with you guys i thought joe woods would kind of be the runaway winner here well one of the things that i really like about surveys like this because when we do surveys we do it a lot on buckeye talk with our tech subscribers there when you do it with football insiders like this these are the most loyal most dedicated most informed most educated browns fans and so i think sometimes we end up 
getting our viewpoint of the fan base from like squeaky wheels on social media. And that's a place where I think there's a lot of squeaking about Joe Woods justifiably. But sometimes to me, it's felt like the head coach hasn't gotten enough blame. So good. Good for the smart, loyal, dedicated, educated Browns fans for blaming the head coach for the failures of this season. That's an appropriate answer. I'm proud of them. Irie, why do you think, I mean, you you said Kevin Stefanski. Why do you think our texters picked Kevin? I think the fans chose Kevin because it's deeper than just being the head coach and you being the head coach taking all the blame because you were the supposed leader of your team. I think the proof is in the pudding regarding certain moments and certain choices for plays within the game. It never, at times, it never seemed like he was playing to win. I know we mentioned Deshaun Watson, and as always within this NFL, really just just in general, there's always that sense of wanting to adjust. It never felt like he wanted to fully adjust. It felt like whichever playbook, for the most part, he had given to Jacoby Brissett, you know, he had a pretty much the same in part for Deshaun Watson, uh, maybe just with a few more extra plays that he felt Deshaun could do within his ability. But there are times where I never felt like he was really playing to win the game, as the great Herm Edwards would say. Uh, and on top of that, it just, at times seemed like the players did not respect him. You really question, especially throughout the season, if he was really building a winning culture. You know, it's one thing to ha- be 500 or have a losing season, but if you're not going to, you know, walk the talk, as as they would say, and really get guys interested and sold on what you're saying, then you have the type of season that we've covered, uh, you know, all throughout 2022. So that's part of the reason, at least not the full but part of the reason for me saying uh, Stefanski, and I'm sure the fans have some of the same thoughts. Ashley, Mary Kay brought up a name that I, I didn't include in the poll, and a few people, like I mentioned, did write him in, Deshaun Watson, which I, I actually did think about including him, but I wasn't sure if enough people would, would actually vote for him. Should I have inclu- Should his name have been on this initial list and not just as a write-in? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you could throw it in there, but I I don't know. It's like, to me, it falls more on like the coaching situation and what the Browns, because the Browns knew what they were getting when they executed this trade. They knew he was probably going to be suspended. Um, and I think they should have built up this team accordingly. After that point, they might've not known the suspension was going to be 11 games, but they knew that something was coming, I think. Um, so for me, it's like that. I, I see why that jump, I think is a valid jump to make and say, well, Deshaun Watson's the one who got himself into this mess um, and therefore got the Browns into the mess. But I also think the Browns like share a lot of that blame because if they thought they needed something else or they weren't 100% sure about this defense's ability to carry a team through however many games Deshaun was going to be suspended, I think to me that falls more on the coaching and how this team was built than Deshaun himself. And, and Mary Kay, you, you made the you you made a case as to why people might vote Deshaun and sort of in this other section, there was the, there was ownership. There was Jimmy Haslam. Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with Deshaun. So I guess if, if someone were to say Deshaun, does that almost fall more on like ownership and, and the people who made this decision to bring him in than, than Deshaun himself? Because, because I yeah, maybe. Not to say that Deshaun is blameless in his actions, but to say, like, this stuff happened before the trade. Like, they traded for him knowing this stuff was out there. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it would be really hard to pin the blame on him, although uh, it, it did seem a bit odd that he was as rusty as he was. So I don't know, um, you know, I don't know if there's anything more he could have done. I don't know if you can, you know, pin anything else on him. I don't know if he could have gotten rid of the ball any quicker than he did. Uh, You know, I don't know if there's anything he could have done from a performance standpoint that would have led to a better record for him. Um, But certainly the 11 game suspension, you really can't blame that on him. They knew what they were getting themselves into and they were going to be at the mercy of Roger Goodell. Um, So yeah, I guess you could, uh, you could pin it on the Haslam's and the front office for underestimating Uh, just how long that suspension was going to be, because I really think they did underestimate it. I think they did their due diligence and they looked and they saw that uh, previous suspensions were in the range of four to six games. I think that's what they thought he was going to get. 
And, um, and I do think it, to a certain extent, blindsided the organization when that was increased to 11 games. And at that point, should they have done anything else? Uh, should they have stuck with Jacoby Brissett? Should they have tried to go out and get a Jimmy Garoppolo? You can make a case for that. Um, but ultimately, in the end, it wasn't really Jacoby Brissett, uh, his fault that they didn't make the playoffs. It really was really more so the defense and the special teams. So lots of blame to go around. You can make a case for a lot of different entities. Um, and, you know, you can take the onus off some people for certain things that happened during the season as well. It's just uh, it just all added up to be, uh, you know, just a losing proposition and uh, and one that they have to get turned around really quickly. Okay, it's our turn. Should have traded for Brock Purdy. Who knew? Trade for Brock Purdy was the answer. <laughs> Who knew? Sitting right in front of you. <laughs> or Geno Smith. Who knew? Who knew? Could have drafted yeah, Geno Smith. Smith. <laughs> okay, it's our turn, Doug. Yeah. Um, I, I threw out, again, the names that were listed were Kevin Stefanski, Joe Woods, Andrew Barry. Names that were written in, Deshaun Watson, Roger Goodell, injuries was in here, poor player execution, players not doing their jobs. Some people just said all of the above. Um, Just looking through to see if I can find anything else. The whole team and coaches. So uh, uh, people, some people just want to throw everybody into the mix. What would your answer be to this question, Doug? I would have answered Stefanski, but I think we could make a list probably 20 long. And, and we still keep going. Miles Garrett flipping his car. It's probably someone there. Mike Prefer is on there somewhere, right? I mean, there's there, there's so many people. Jadavion Clowney getting mad and refusing to play in a part of a game, right? There's so many people that you can blame for this. And it is sort of a top-to-bottom failing, I think, of the organization. I, I You know, there are some players. Maybe we should do – maybe this is next week's pod. Who wouldn't you blame? Who doesn't get any blame for the Brown season? Like, does it start and end with Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb's always like, I don't know, that guy just does his job. What else could that? What else could Nick Chubb do? Maybe Amari Cooper, although Amari Cooper blew the onside kick cover that lost the help lose the Jets game after other people did things wrong. I guess Nick Chubb could have kneeled on his own too. Ah, forget it. Every single person associated with the Browns can take blame for this year. No one is blameless. But it starts with the – I mean, it's the coach. It's it's the coach from from not telling Nick Chubb to deal kneel in the Jets game to all the times where they were in close games and he didn't do anything to get him over the top to the times when you get blown out by Bailey Zappi in New England. And it's like, I get it, your defense isn't good enough, but that's your defensive coordinator. That's your culture. I just think – and I, I said it all year. I just don't know – I don't – I don't think I could point to a single thing. I guess Kevin Stefanski and Mary Kay, you were right on this point all along. Kevin Stefanski like elevates quarterbacks, right? So Kevin Stefanski elevated Jacoby Brissett and it didn't matter. That's the most amazing thing about this whole thing. Like that part of it worked and it still didn't matter. They didn't win enough games. So I just think, I think it starts with Kevin Stefanski and player performance Coaching performance, strategy, emotion, motivation, that's where it all starts. And you can find fault with every single area I just named. Ira, you made the case for why people would say Stefanski is, I mean, is that the guy, is that the person you're choosing? If if not all the above was not, was not an option and I had to go with a singular person, yeah, I still will, I still would go with Stefanski. Ashley, what about you? This is tough, like, because I think, like Doug said, it's like you really can make an argument for everyone, um, and that is really how I feel. Like, this defense had mistakes, the offense had mistakes, I think the way the team was built had a lot of mistakes, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the product that is being put out on the field each week, Kevin is the one who's in control of a lot of that, and I actually think Kevin, like, would take a lot of this blame, too, so... When given the the have to pick a choice, I guess I'm going with Kevin. You know, I just want to say real super quick. I do. I get that. I really do understand because the buck has to stop at his desk. But, you know, you just have to wonder, like, how much different would things have been this year? If we're pinning so much of it on the defense, how much how much better would things have been had they gone out and gotten themselves 
a couple of really good defensive tackles and were able to stop the run. I mean, something like that alone may have changed the, the, the whole vibe and the dynamic of this football team. If you have a, you know, just a really premier defensive tackle who uh, could wreak a lot of havoc from the inside and, uh, you know, and help stop that run. But I do understand that, uh, you know, you really do have to pin the whole operation on the head coach, because even when you just look at the Jadavian Clowney situation, you know, that was going on since like very early on in the season. And you have to find a way to manage that. I mean, you have to find a way to manage that when you have that influential of a player, it's going to permeate the whole entire football team, that kind of vibe, that kind of attitude. And I do think that, you know, there's something to be said for uh, nipping that in the bud. And for whatever reason, that did not happen. So well, what Mary Kay is getting at there is like roster construction, right? What did Andrew Barry get, Dan? That's and that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. The name we haven't talked enough about is probably Andrew Barry. And Mary Kay just made the compelling case. So he got 13%, which was fourth, actually. Now, that's because other, which people wrote in a bunch of random stuff, finished third. But Andrew was of the options available. He was fourth, and I think that's kind of letting him skate a little bit because of the defensive tackle position, because of the draft, some of the draft picks they were counting on that didn't pan out um, or haven't yet. Mary Kay and, and I have talked over and over again, and Ashley too, that this team has always felt a receiver short. What if you just took George Pickens, or what, what if you found some other receiver to, to bring in? Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I said George I think, Pickens. I don't think you can let Andrew Barry slide on this one. And and maybe that's why the people that just put, maybe that's why the people that just put everybody, like this was a full team effort. Maybe those are the people who were right all along. Do we think the Browns didn't have enough talent to make the playoffs this year? You know what? Would you say that? Ah, they just, the talent wasn't good enough. Like they had specific holes, but overall, we thought it was a playoff roster, I guess. Right, Mary Kay? Well, well we're going to find out. We are going to find out because they fired Joe Woods thinking that a new defensive coordinator would make the talent on defense pop. Uh, that all those things that were supposed to happen this year with their young guys, with JOK stepping up and Greg Newsom stepping up and Jordan Elliott and Jacob Phillips and Grant Delpit, uh, you know, it is their belief that a new defensive coordinator is is going to elevate the play of all of those defensive players that were supposed to take this big leap in their second full seasons or their full first full seasons as starters. It did not happen this year. So we don't know yet if they have the talent that we thought they had. We don't know. We're not going to know that until probably next year. But even that might be a little difficult because if you're learning a whole new de- defensive system, an entirely new terminology, then it's not like you're back to square one. But it might not be a well-oiled machine in the beginning of the season. And quite frankly, it needs to be that. I mean, they cannot waste another year and they can't get off to a slow start. So, you know, we don't know yet if the talent is, is good enough. We will find out by game six of next year. Let's take a break and then let's get to question number two here from our texter survey. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We're going through a texter survey. Now, if you're sitting here wondering, wait a minute, texting, how do I get involved in texting? It's easy. Our football insiders are our texters. So if you become a football insider, there's that. You also get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. Uh, It's written by one of us. So by by the way, I wrote Fridays. So uh, if if you aren't a subscriber, you missed my newsletter today. You should feel bad. And then also you get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns that are uh, subscriber only. So football insider, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. So now let's move on to what was the second question here in our survey. And this is all about Deshaun Watson. And I was very curious how this was going to come out. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most confident, what is your confidence level in Deshaun Watson for 2023? This time I want to get the answers from you guys first. So Ashley, 
What is your confidence level, scale of 1 to 10, in Deshaun Watson for the 2023 season? So this is what I actually think, not what I think the texters think. This is what this is what you think, yes. Okay, okay. Um, 1 to 10, I'm going to go with 7. 7. So that's that's pretty confident. Seven is seven is I'll good. Go with, I'll go with eight. I'll go with eight. My confidence level in Deshaun Watson playing well is significantly higher than my confidence level in Deshaun Watson playing well, making the Browns good. So Ooh. this is a quarterback question. I think he'll be good. So he's, I would say an eight. An eight. Mary Kay, one to 10, your confidence level in Deshaun next year. Can I go in between there? Can I go uh, seven, seven and a half? Um, eight seems a tiny <laughs> sure. bit too high based, based on a few of the – there were a few things that I saw uh, this this season that have me a little bit concerned, and that is holding the ball too long. And, you know, I just don't know if, you know, some of the talent on the offensive line, uh, you know, they have to adjust to him. And, that you know, that could be a little bit of a work in progress, trying to figure out how to block for a guy like this. And I think the same thing – of the receivers, they all have to kind of get in sync and figure out, you know, what do we do on these scramble drills and where do we, you know, where are we supposed to be, you know, when, he, when he's over there. So, um, so I would have to say right now it's seven and a half because I think it takes a while. I think it takes a, a while to get your mojo down with the whole offense. And it's taking a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. And now just seeing that, and knowing that they are also going to make some pretty drastic changes for next season based on what Deshaun said. And he, you know, he wants to have a voice in this. Uh, you know, I think changing it up might, you know, you might have to take a few steps back before you take a few steps forward. So I'm going to go seven and a half. Irie, where are you at? One to 10. Man, we're all in the same range. I got my two, my top two answers taken. Did anybody say eight yet? Yes. Doug said eight. Thank you, Doug. All right, I'll go with 8.3. I'm going to go with the point three and I a little bit much higher. Uh, this is a quarterback. That, <laughs> you like that, right, that point three. This, this is a quarterback that we've seen make uh, career marks with making receiver options out of guys that, respectfully, if they're, if they're still in the league, they won't be in the league much longer. And the fact that he was able to do that just sh- should give confidence that with guys now that are – whether a pro bowl or wide receiver in Garmary Cooper or they, you know, the, the rest of the younger core with Peoples Jones and David Bell, they can really make something within this offense. We saw the way Jacoby was with this offense. The ceiling just by ability should, we would think is higher when it comes to Deshaun. So that's the way that confidence comes in. It's not going to be a 10 because there is a little bit of doubt, as Mary Kay pointed out, times where he's holding the ball too long. And because his offensive line had a little bit of, of a decline throughout Towards the end of the season, you know, they weren't as sturdy as they would. Watson was sacked 20 times within only six games playing this season. There is that sense of concern. But in the end, regarding him getting the ball in target to the hands of his receivers, oh, that's definitely high up in confidence. So 8.3 it is. So we're all in about the same place. I'm, I'm probably, now that I know we can do decimal points. I think I think I'm in that seven and a half. I'm, I think I'm with Mary Kay in the seven and a half range. Um, our texters, again, this was one I was curious about. Most of them said eight. Eight was the winner. The second highest total was seven. Uh, there weren't. There were a decent amount of nines. Not five and six were uh, second and third after uh, seven and eight. So we're all sort of in the same place. Is that? I mean, is that good, Doug? Like, should we be like a seven or eight good? Or if you paid a quarterback $230 million, should it be like, no, I got Patrick Mahomes level confidence in this guy. It's a, it's a 12. Well, I mean, if it's run through the AFC playoff teams, Patrick Mahomes, 10, Josh Allen, 10, Joe Burrow, 10, Justin Herbert, 10, Trevor Lawrence, nine and a half, right? I mean, this is, this is a level we're talking about. So for the level that he is supposed to be eventually it is low if he doesn't get to a 10 at some point and then even if he falls short of it if a year from now we are asking this very question 
and we're like, all right, going into year three in Cleveland, a full year two in Cleveland. He did this this past year. What do we think? If we're not all saying nine and a half or ten a year from now, he's not worth the two thirty. He's not worth the angst because you're not you didn't pay two thirty guaranteed and bring in a guy with this much controversy and cause this much angst in the fan base for an eight point three. Two thirty is not eight point three. So. We're still easing in. We're easing. So for now, I think in the seven to eight range is okay. He better be a 10. Even because this is like hopeful, excited. Oh, we've never had a quarterback like this since Bernie Kosar Browns fans. He better. He should be a 15, as you said, Mike. Deshaun Watson, a Brown? 7.5? What are we talking about? So this is the last time. He better be a, like a nine and a half by week two. <laughs> Because it's like, oh, week one showed us, like, that's the real Deshaun. This is the last time he can be this low. But for now, it's okay. But this window is closing. This is this is not a Trevor Lawrence podcast. I think your Trevor Lawrence number is a little high. But I agree on the other. Not I for agree Jacksonville on fans on, on, on teal and black talk, <laughs> right? On teal and black talk. From Jacksonville.com, Teal and Black Talk, they're like, oh, what are you on Trevor Lawrence? You a 10 or an 11? They're not <laughs> dialing back. They're all in on that guy. How much they're do you can- think they do the Duval call on the Teal and Black Talk podcast? I don't know. We don't wolf on here, right? So, I mean, I mean I'm sure they're unbiased. Uh, <laughs> I hope they don't drop too many Duvals in there. I don't know. Maybe while they were winning in week 18, they were dropping some Duvals. You know, I think you, we also you- have a recency bias here. We're coming off of a game in which Deshaun Watson was sacked seven times and picked off two times, and from my notes, could have easily been picked off at least one other time. So I think there is some recency bias. If we were coming off of a game, and if he had finished really strong and looked really good and ended up with an amazing rating and was only sacked once and got rid of the ball quickly and wasn't picked off, I think we might be feeling differently about this right now. But that game, I think, is still fresh in our minds. Uh, there are some issues. There are, you know, there are some issues with, I mean, you know, David Bell. A couple of those um, passes were intended for David Bell. So I think those guys need to get their mojo down together. I think they do need another receiver or two. You know, if some of these things were different, I think we might be looking at this a little bit differently. But did he play a game in the six that would make us be a 10? What's the game? Are you speaking of a specific game if he had played that last? Or is this like an imaginary at his best game? Oh, it's an imaginary. No, it's an imaginary play that game. No, yeah, it's, it's imaginary. It's yeah. an imaginary at his best game, but it's also like the second half of the um of the what game am I thinking? The of? Washington game. The Washington game. The Washington. second half of the Washington game where he threw yeah. three straight touchdown passes in the second half of that game to bust open a 24, 10 lead. Now you can say it was because it was against Washington and Jonathan Allen was out and there were extenuating circumstances, but we have seen flashes of it. Okay. We've seen flashes of it. I think he left here feeling really encouraged about what he's capable of and what he's going to do in this offense, because he felt those flashes and he saw those glimpses of what it can be. And I think he has a, a list of what needs to change and improve for him to get where he needs to be. And I think he feels really confident that those things are going to happen. So I'm sure he has himself at a 10. Uh, Again, I think we have a recency, a bit of a recency bias. And recency bias, meaning his play with the Browns that we're not taking his play in Houston into account. Cause I'm saying like one out of eight halves, one great half. No, out of 12 halves, 12 halves, one great half. Right? That's not wrong, is it? Maybe there were some decent halves. One well, great half out of 12? You know what? It was it was weird. It was a weird six games because there was the Rust Bowl in the beginning. They won the game, but he his legs weren't working right, and his arm wasn't working right, and his brain wasn't even working right. I mean, that was just like nobody expected it to be like that. And then, uh, then you had the Ice Bowl, uh, the Wind Bowl against the Saints, and uh, he had three touchdown passes dropped, and when one went off David Bell's hands, that was intercepted. So it's almost like he only had sort of four normalish games to go off of. 
So, you know what I mean? It just, it just wasn't like if it had been in the middle of the season where, you know, weather wasn't such a factor and blah, 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 you know, it, it might've looked a little different, but I think there were, there were only like four sort of normal evals. I'm a five. I changed from an eight to a five. We just <laughs> wow. talked it out. Why, why am I confident? What am I? He was good with the Texans like in 2019. That was a whole pandemic ago. What are we going on? I'm going on this? 2020. Eight? What am I doing? 2020. Sorry. I'd... Not that yeah, long. Yeah, no, man. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> wow. Doug just, Doug just went half of Trevor Lawrence practically. I just talked um, my. Yeah. <laughs> did I talk you? I don't know. Into... I got to see it, man. Go. I got to see it. Did I talk you down from an eight to a well, five? Mary I'm Kay sorry. Was... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, you were trying to defend though. him, and I was like, no, you're right. This was terrible. <laughs> Mary Kay was trying to talk Oops. you into an 11, and she talked you into like a five. Yeah. Anyway, coming up on Teal and Black Talk, we're going to discuss, is, is Trevor Lawrence better than Deshaun Watson? All right. Let's do another one. Uh, Let's do another one to... <laughs> Let's do another one to 10 here. Uh, this is the Browns organization. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I told you what the texture photo in the last one. This is the Browns organization. What is your confidence level in the Browns organization with 10 being the most confident? I sort of feel like guessing what the texters said here isn't as productive. So I want to hear from each of you first. I will say I was a little surprised where the texters landed. Um, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I have very little confidence in the Browns organization. I will go with a four and it's not because, well, I, it's a four. It's a four. I just don't trust this organization. I don't think there's any good reason to trust this organization. I think they still have to prove it. Even like Kevin and Andrew, like, you guys have never even finished better than third in the division and you're laughing and making jokes and having a grand old time at your season ending presser. I'm, I'm at a four right now with, with my trust in this organization as a whole. Um, where are wow. you guys at? Who wants that's to go? Harsh, Dan. Mary Kay. That's harsh. Dan. Four's not, four's not that bad. I mean, that's four's like just below the middle. Hmm. That is harsh. I think that's harsh. Uh, four's bad. Four's bad. Four's, four's bad. bad. Four's bad. Well, four's I'm at a four. Bad. I'm at a four. Talk me <laughs> out of fine. it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think for a for a football team that just spent $230 million on an elite quarterback to tie the whole thing together. Uh, I think I just think four is a little bit is a little bit harsh. I think they truly believe uh that you know that he is going to be the answer to a lot of their problems. So it remains to be seen, of course. Um, and so you are justified, I think, in, in thinking, calling out a four because of everything that we've seen over the years, but it feels low to me. It feels low. My first instinct was about a seven, about a seven, because they have to get a lot of things right in this off season. They've got to get the defensive coordinator, right? Okay. And I feel like I just want to call them up and say, just once. Let me be involved in the hiring process. I think I can help you. Um, so they've got to get that right. They've. I'm got- a ten on that. Can I be a ten on Mary Kay, <laughs> assistant GM? I'm a ten <laughs> on that. Survey that to the texters. <laughs> uh, so they've got to get that right. They've got to get some receivers in here. You can't keep thinking that these really young guys are just going to all of a sudden, you know, elevate their performance because they're playing with Deshaun Watson. That's not fair to put Deshaun Watson in that position. Joe Burrow's not in that position. Joe Burrow's got a number of really good receivers uh, that help him get the job done. And Deshaun Watson needs the same thing. So they got to get that right. They've got to get the defensive end right now. They've got to find a good defensive end and they have to find a good defensive tackle. If they can do all that, then, you know, and that, I think that was about four really important things. If they can do those four important things, then I think they're going to be okay. Can I, can I jump in though and say, like, I, I understand what you're saying about Deshaun, but there's also a part of this that's like, this is an organization that traded three first round picks and gave the largest guaranteed contract ever 
to a quarterback with, let's just kindly say some baggage when he arrived. And they did that to kind of rescue them, to kind of pull this whole thing together. Like they're really dependent on that working. And like, if it doesn't, they're in trouble. I just, I just can't have confidence. And I, I'm talking like, again, I, Kevin, we'll see, you know, I like Andrew. I think there is potential with Kevin still, even though we all blamed him there and that for, and our texters blamed him in that first question. Um, I just don't know. We're talking ownership on down. I just don't know how much faith I can have in this organization. So we said four is bad, just so Dan knew, understood that four is bad. Seven <laughs> is high. I think seven is high because if the Browns, the Browns, the Browns, like the the worst franchise who just won seven and ten, it's like, well, who – like there's got to be 22 teams that are at eight or higher than if the Browns are a seven in my mind. Because I believe the business term for what the Browns are doing right now is smelling their own farts. Because I am worried about too much alignment. I think they all think, and I am aligned with their alignment. And I think there are holes in the alignment. So I'm a three. I just was saying that Dan's four was bad because I wanted Dan to understand how bad a four was. I'm worse (laughs) than that. And I would have been like a seven and a half I was like a seven and a half when they were one and 31. Cause I was like, yes, this is what you do. They're doing it right. You tear it down, you tank, you build back up. And like, this is the lowest that I've been in a long time because it feels like they should be at the end game. They should be at the top of the mountain. They are thinking of Deshaun Watson as the cherry on top of the Sunday. And meanwhile, all the ice cream melted. So how as bad as Everything that wasn't quarterback went this year. That has torpedoed my faith in the organization from top to bottom. Because this was, this is should, Deshaun Watson should have made this a finished product. And instead, Mary Kay, you're going through defensive end, defensive tackle. They got to get defensive coordinator right. They got to add a receiver. I don't know. Like now the offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. And that's all right. And when they got Deshaun Watson, I didn't feel like they had any of those problems. So they still got the controversial $230 million quarterback and they sprung all these leaks while they were waiting for him. So I don't believe in anything related to this team right now. I don't think I'm not ready to fire the head coach tomorrow. I have, I do not think he's the right guy. I like the Andrew Barry hire. I have real questions about Andrew Barry right now. The Haslam's had a very rough patch. It felt like, okay, they're getting a line. D. Podesta, Barry Stefanski. Then I don't know that Deshaun's a panic move, but it changed the calculus of the entire organization. I don't have any faith in ownership right now. And by the way, the locker room is splintered. <laughs> so I'm below Dan. I just want to make sure Dan knew that he was bad. I, wow. And then I wanted to come in right underneath. Boom. Wow. Three. I, say, I, just, I got undercut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So harsh graders. So Ashley, Doug, and I added up added up to Mary Kay's total. What have you got? Yeah. Um, no, I was. My first instinct was like a four too, Dan. Like I'm. I'm just with you. I. I am maybe grading them harsh right now, but it's because they have to prove it. They haven't really proved anything to me that they can fix these problems that they currently have. And I think this Deshaun Watson move, if it doesn't work out, that is, there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that, not just for these people, but for the franchise. And there's a lot at stake. And I think I'm grading them harsher because I want them to prove that they can get themselves out of this. And there's a lot that needs fixed. I think they have to change how they were thinking about this defense and, you know, we, we all, I know Doug and I, especially, we've talked about this on this podcast before, like we were fans of kind of taking the analytical approach and not, you know, cutting corners somewhere on your defense, right? And they chose to cut corners at defensive tackle and to some extent linebacker. Um, and it hasn't worked. So now you have to figure out how to build that, those parts up. I think it's also going to be a matter going forward of balancing your pass attack and your run attack and what this is all going to look like. Can they get the personnel in here? And I have a lot of questions like, can this organization build a team that can actually work together? Like I think all the problems we saw this season with like 
personality is not gelling and discipline issues. Like all of that to me kind of calls into question how this team was built and if they can build, I'm going to use culture again, which kind of got overused in the press conference this week, but can there be a winning culture here when there hasn't been one since the team came back essentially? Um, So I'm grading them harsher. And I think this is the prove it year for just about everybody. And and maybe this will be a, you know, a terrible take a year from now, (laughs) but what we just saw, I'm with Dan. I just don't have, that much confidence right now. And I need them to show that they can fix these issues that they've gotten themselves into in a lot of ways. Irie, our number one answer from our texters was six. Second place was five. Third place was seven. Where are you at? I was in the negatives. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was not in negatives. Ah, respect. Respect, Irie. <laughs> Irie's like, ah, minus seven. Beautiful. Now, I was actually below six. I was really around five. At first, I was four and a half, but then I bumped it up to five just because of the thought of, like, they are showing some type of initiative, you would think, wanting to win. I mean, if this was Madden, this this probably be amongst the best teams on Madden, just off of the talent alone. But that's video game. We're speaking real life. We've mentioned, and then that's when it comes to the other side of why they're at a five, where even with the talent that they have, there is still no initiative regarding wanting to win or any sense of foundation building. It's almost as if these players, and I say this because I would see it on, I don't know what you guys see it, but I would see it on their faces, especially in certain games like versus Miami and Buffalo, where they're waiting for what's going to happen to lose they're expecting something it's almost as if they were surprised that this team this organization was surprised at times to be in a winning situation or to be in the game there's only one game this season i i believe off top where resilience grit, and aggressiveness was actually showed when trailing and everybody made plays and that was against tampa bay but when it comes to this organization from the bottom to the top well for now i'm at a five with this organization Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I've, maybe I've seen too much. Maybe, maybe I think I'm scarred right now. You're you're at a five. You've which been is, here for eight months. You're not scarred. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? There are people listening to the podcast who have rooted for this organization for forty years. You're not scarred. There are reporters <laughs> who have put this season in its own category as for the craziness and messiness, and you're telling me I'm not scarred? No. That's oh this no. Oh okay. no. This, <laughs> this was this was nothing. No, this no, was. no, <laughs> no, no, no. I'd, yeah, no. one of these days we we should just draft crazy se- crazy brown seasons. That'll be one of our that'll be I one think, of our Friday. I think it would, oh, that'd be good. I think it would make an amazing like thirty for thirty. All of the dysfunction that has gone on in this organization since nineteen ninety nine. I mean, is it, would that be great TV? A great documentary or what? Let's produce it. The, the Freddie Kitchens, the Freddie yeah. Kitchens year alone, the Freddie Kitchens year alone would be yeah five episodes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. We got two more questions to um, get to. Uh, I think one of oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was just going to say that you know one move can change the dynamics of everything, and if they get the right defensive coordinator in here. And he elevates the level of play of five or six guys on defense. That could change a lot in one off season. So we'll see how that all goes. But if they get that right, that one move can change the whole season. All right. I have a question. I have a quick question before you move on, Dan. You said Andrew Barry received only 13%, right? I believe. Uh, yeah, it was low. He was low down the list. Yeah. Uh, 14%. Fourteen percent. Do the fans? I'm just thinking. We're going with Mary Kay. Said, do the fans believe that this defense has enough talent, and that it's not even so much the players they have? Because firing Joe Woods is not going to make this defense pop overnight. But it, it's, I'm just thinking because you said that they let him slide up a bit easy. Do they believe that Barry has made the right choices within this roster construction? Are the right? I think that's. I think that's a more boringly question. I think the thing about is it not even so much? I think we have said it a bit, but we've just kind of crossed the surface. Like, 
are the right most of the right people intact and it's just something deeper or is that just the browns in 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 a nutshell pretty much i think i think there's two things at work i think one is like a week after the season it's really easy to blame the coach and and the players and i think two I mean, I, I think we're going to get answers to this, right? You bring in, let's say you bring in Brian Flores and the defense isn't good enough again. It's going to fall back on Andrew Barry and his acquisitions. So I, I just think it's more of a timing. I think it's more of a timing thing than anything. Like people are just more angry at Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods than they are Andrew Barry at this point, at least. Yeah. All right. Let, let's, uh, let's take a break. We've got two more questions to get to here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going through our survey that we sent to our texters. we got two more questions to get to. I feel like this first one um, kind of answers itself. The person with the most pressure in 2023 is the options were Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson, and Andrew Barry. I think everyone can probably figure out who our texters picked. I'm just going to say it. It was overwhelming. 79% chose Kevin Stefanski. Who do you guys think was second? So the options again were Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson, and Andrew Barry. There were there was a place for people to put in others, but there weren't. There, there wasn't enough there to really discuss. So between be Watson Deshaun. and Barry, who do you think was second? Was it Deshaun? It I should be guessed, Deshaun. I would guess it they was would say Deshaun. Okay, okay, it was Deshaun. So it was Kevin Stefanski overwhelmingly first and Deshaun Watson second. But I would argue when it comes to the most pressure, like Deshaun's not going anywhere. Like Deshaun Watson could show up next year and be underwhelming and he's not going anywhere. If that happens, Kevin's probably gone and Andrew's probably in a lot of trouble. So while I think I, I think my instinct would have been, yeah, Deshaun is second. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of pressure on him from himself mm-hmm. and a lot of pressure on him from the outside as far as being Deshaun Watson again. But I don't know, Doug. He's got a lot of leash because he's got $230 million guaranteed. So if he stinks next year, he's going to be back for year three. Yeah, I think maybe Deshaun Watson is not the right answer to any question about pressure until his contract expires for that reason. Like, I don't know. I'm getting paid anyway. What's the pressure? And by the way, he had like real world things in the past year that could have gone very differently for him that would have provided a different context of pressure other than like you took too many sacks. So this is like, hey, and he's. He's never what's he's won one playoff game in his whole life and he's viewed as a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like, what's the pressure on this guy? Like, it's it's I don't know. He I, like what's his connection to Cleveland? Yeah. I think I probably would have answered Deshaun, but as you point like when you think about it, if you really think about it, he's not gonna lose his job and he's not gonna lose a check. And the other two guys could. So he probably should be last. Mary Kay is does that argument hold water or like, is it, no, it's just Deshaun. You know what? I I actually don't think that argument necessarily holds water because look at Russell Wilson in Denver, right? I mean, you can make a big mistake. You can make a big mistake. So I do think it's okay to put the pressure on Deshaun Watson to figure out how to get this job done, to figure out how to make sure that, you know, and, and he's going to have to take, and he plans on taking ownership in the offseason, but he has to take matters into his own hands. We've seen quarterbacks do it before. I mean, we see Aaron Rodgers do it. We see Tom Brady do it. You know, if you are at that level, it's to the point where you have to dictate, in some cases, how things go. So if you look out there and you see that you need some kind of a version of a Tyreek Hill, then you have to make sure that you stand on the table and you shout for that, Okay. Like you've got to demand something like that. If you think that you should be, and and not everybody deserves this kind of cachet, but if you think that you should be playing, you know, way more no huddle, then you then speak up and say that. Uh, I think he has to have an enormous say in how the game is called. 
I think he has an has to have an enormous say in the personnel around him, uh, and just a lot of different things if they are going to get this ship going in the right direction. So I do put pressure on him to get the chemistry down with his teammates to make sure he's got the right supporting cast to bitch about it if he doesn't, and to to really work hard and openly with Kevin Stefanski. I mean, no sitting back and, you know, letting this stuff fester the way that it did with Kevin and Baker Mayfield. Like, that can't happen. Like, they have to put their cards out on the table, and they have to really figure out a way to work together. And I, th- I put a lot of that on Deshaun to be able uh, to, to speak up, even when it's going to be hard at times. Did we, did we just get the explicit tag? Did we? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, know. You can't say that. You can't say the B word? I don't know. I don't think. I we'll think see. We'll see what decisions I make in post-production here. Post-production. They went to seven and ten. She can say the B word. <laughs> there are, I discovered this the other day. There's little sound effects here in the software we use that, that I can Ooh, put in. Okay. Uh, put a little B yeah, in there. Know. Anyway. Oh. Yeah. You know, hey, you know what? You know, horn. I'm going to tell you who doesn't worry about the explicit tag because they don't care. The Teal and Black podcast. Mm. So you know what? <laughs> Duval. So you know what? We don't either. All right. It just adds a little edge to things. Ashley, you've heard both arguments. You've taken off the earmuffs to avoid the foul language. <laughs> who's who's got the pressure here? It, I will be honest. It did take me a minute. I did kind of forget the question. Um, no, I've been saying Kevin. I'm going with Kevin. That's, that's who has the pressure, I think. Um, I get the arguments about Deshaun, for and against Deshaun. I I don't know. I think I kind of pains me to say land on Doug's side. Like, the, the guaranteed money, I don't know if, if you will feel much pressure if you are him because of that. But, no, I mean, for me, it's Kevin. Like I said on our podcast last or earlier this week, when they fired Joe Woods, I think he's the next obvious kind of potential scapegoat for this front office uh, to fall on the sword for them. And then I think, you know, it, it goes up the ladder to Andrew Barry if, if something happened to Kevin Stefanski. But I do think, like, there are no more excuses left for him after the 2023 season. Like, you will have had Deshaun for a full year. You will have your system. It's time to prove that you can make this system work for Deshaun and that he can be successful in playing for it and that he likes to play for Kevin Stefanski still when all is said and done. Because I do think that's who it's about at the end of the day, when you've given him that much guaranteed money, um, a lot is going to be, you know, based on what he thinks, I think kind of regardless of what his performance ends up being on the field, because if Deshaun Watson all of a sudden next year, and we've talked about this before, doesn't like playing for Kevin Stefanski, that's a huge problem for Kevin Stefanski, not Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and I, so I think that to me is just kind of where the pressure falls automatically. So I, I think we're talking about two different kinds of pressure here though, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't fall in the camp that there's no pressure on Deshaun Watson, but it's not like, Oh, he's going to lose his job and be off the team type of pressure. Whereas Kevin yeah. is facing that type of pressure. That's the, the pressure, kind of pressure I'm thinking about. Yeah. The pressure Deshaun is facing is the kind of like what Doug was saying. This guy's won one playoff game and mm-hmm. you know, people want yeah. to see him fail. And if he fails and he struggles, people are going to pile on and they're going to be, begin to question him. He's facing, I guess, legacy pressure. Yes. If you will. And he's, if he, you ahead. can tell he's, you can tell he's thinking about that. Like he's brought up, coming here and wanting to win a Super Bowl. So I do think that's fair. I was more thinking about what this question when I first read it. It was like, oh, like the, you naturally go to somebody losing their job potentially was kind of what I thought. But yeah, I think it's fair to say like Deshaun's been very honest that he knows he wants to win a Super Bowl. We've talked about how a guy at quarterback, how your legacy a lot hinges on that. And I think that's why he he kind of came here because he thought this roster gave him the best chance to do that. And and he's been honest about wanting to be in that conversation with guys like Patrick Mahomes. And I think he he needs to get to the top of that mountain to be con- really considered. I think in that same category. Yeah, because Mary Kay Mary Kay brought up Russell Wilson, 
Like Russell Wilson has his money and he has his job and he was viewed as an overpaid laughing stock at the NFL this year. So Deshaun Watson, that's like the worst case scenario for Deshaun Watson. I'm like, man, you're getting all this money, but you're a has been, you stink now. He doesn't want that to Mary Kay's point. He wants to control everything he can to And obviously he's much younger than Russell Wilson, but he wants to control everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. So you're right, Dan, it is a different kind of pressure. Yeah. I mean, like Patrick Mahomes might win his second MVP this year. And, you know, Mahomes or Burrow or Josh Allen or one of the one of those guys is probably going to be in the Super Bowl um, and, and probably win it. And Deshaun is is trailing in those categories. Irie, who who is it? Who's got the most pressure? Well, yeah, I mean, you had just kind of set the introduction. I mean, for a little bit when picking Megan off with everybody, I said, especially Doug, we're chaining to Deshaun, the answer, not just because this organization is doing everything possible to build around them and pretty much say, we give you the key to, to go off and bring us in this city. Uh, it's a Super Bowl, but also the fact that Deshaun is thinking about the pressure on Deshaun, not just within the sense of people wanting to see him fail after everything that's happened with the baggage, but just like you mentioned, some of the quarterbacks, Dan and Doug, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he was drafted two, two picks behind him in 2017. He's already been to the, to the Super Bowl twice and, and has already had an, an MVP year. You know, during Deshaun's last season at Clemson, you know, Joe Burrow was at Ohio State watching him go off. Joe Burrow is waiting, wondering when he can play. And Deshaun's already going out there making a, a championship run. You know, he played Lamar Jackson, who also plays in the division. They met during this season and, you know, he outthrew him and they won by a touchdown, I believe. Uh, you know, in the championship, he's going to against Alabama. Their quarterback is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is, is on the other side of the of, of the league, and the NFC is in the MVP conversation, and is on a team that has become a Super Bowl candidate. He's looking around, look, looking at his guys, thinking, "I'm better than them. I've shown it. I, I can play a, a better and against them." So it's more so the pressure of showing that and proving the doubters wrong that he still has it. Yeah, that that's interesting. He's kind of been passed uh, passed by all those guys as far as his as far as accomplishments in the league. Um, so, okay, like I said, Kevin Stefanski was the winner from our texters. Okay, this question, um, I hope I framed it right, but this was just rank the AFC North by confidence level in 2023. So when you kind of look at each of the teams in the AFC North, like just who do you have the most confidence in, one through four, that they're going to be just fine, that they're going to figure it out, and they're going to be a, a good team in 2023. It's is Cincinnati the clear cut number one, Doug? Yeah. Okay. And that's because of, of Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow and also Joe Burrow. So mostly, yes. I was not a huge fan of Zach Taylor. Even like making the Super Bowl last year, it was like I felt like Zach Taylor rode on would piggyback on Joe Burrow to get there. But I just think there's enough. I think there's enough weird stuff with Baltimore right now that has lowered them. But I think Cincinnati is, is clearly number one, not because I'm I've changed my mind about Cincinnati, but I've slightly lessened about Baltimore. But I think any answer that isn't the Browns is acceptable. I actually, I think Baltimore is kind of, I'm not saying I would put them behind the Browns, but I think the whole Lamar situation just, clouds everything with the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar Jackson is not their quarterback next year, yes, I believe they're a good organization and they can figure things out, but we're talking about you know the the youngest NFL MVP in league history. Uh, I I'd be a little that that's where my lack of confidence comes in Baltimore. Does anybody want to make the case for the Pittsburgh Steelers that maybe they should be ahead? We're not saying they're going to this is not like a Here's how the AFC North is going to finish next year. This is sort of a confidence poll. Is there a case to well, be made for Pittsburgh? So I would say the case to be made for them, and I don't know that I fully agree with this, but the fact that there's so much stability in them as an organization that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season and that I do think we saw Kenny Pickett's ability over these last few games to lead game-winning drives, which he did that in, what, two of the last three games for the Steelers. So them having another year with him and to try to figure some things out, 
you know, I think you can, if, if it's a weird year, like I don't think they are the most talented team in the division by far, but this could be a weird division at times. Like last year, we talked about it all the time. It was a bad division, like from top to bottom, it was just bad until Cincinnati, you know, obviously makes the Super Bowl run. But I do think just that that stability and Mike Tomlin enough is like almost enough by itself to get you in the conversation. But then some of those plays Kenny Pickett made, I think, were just impressive down the stretch, even though he's not the best quarterback in the division. I mean, I think, you know, when you've got I mean, that- Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, you have to be in the conversation. You have to be in the conversation. And the quarterback is better than we thought he was going, going to be. He was better as a rookie than I thought he was going to be. I mean, the numbers didn't turn out to be great, uh, but he's showing something. And then when you add in Najee Harris and you add in Deontay Johnson, you know, they've got talent on that team and then they've got Mike Tomlin. So they always have to be in the conversation. We've learned over the last two years, do not count them out. It doesn't matter if their quarterback is 100 or if their quarterback is 16. Somehow they're going to find a way. So they always have to be in the conversation because of the organization, the coach, and the talent that they have. They went nine and eight with the rookie quarterback, and in a year when TJ Watt missed seven games. Mm-hmm. This is like the worst of the Steelers. This was the worst of the Steelers. They finished two games ahead of the Browns. Right. And they traded Chase Claypool for what turned out to be the 33rd pick in the draft. It's just the Steelers doing Steelers stuff. And also, George Pickens. So I do think it's possible that Kenny Pickett is going to wind up on a Mac Jones path, which is like as a rookie, ha ha. And then in year two, like, oh, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett, but I'm sold on everything else. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they got him in the middle of the first round. If he's not the guy, they'll go do. It's not that much of an investment. Go get somebody else. Mm -hmm. But to go nine and eight with this this year. They're playing Mitch Trubisky. Part of the year, early on, T.J. Watt was out. What are we talking about? So, yeah, great confidence in the Steelers. You could make a case top to bottom structurally, full organization. You could make a case for number one. But Joe Burrow. So I think I'd go Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland right now. Mm -hmm. And and let's be honest, this is two years in a row. I mean, there were – there were some really bad Ben Roethlisberger clips going around social media last year. Uh, He was – a shell of a shell of, of hall of famer, Ben Roethlisberger. And yet there they were in the play playing a playoff game against Kansas city last year. Uh, and this year playing a meaningful game in week 18. Irie, who's, who's the top of your confidence list in the AFC North? Cincinnati is definitely, you know, the top of the food chain right now within this division that can at times be weird. Yeah. I, I don't see much coming from – I still see the same structure and professionalism from the Steelers, but I don't see that big of a jump from what they did this season, whether they beat the Browns, uh, you know, one or two times again or not. Uh, Baltimore, there is quite a bit of weirdness. Garner contract issues uh, between Lamar and the organization, along with the fact that, well, there's still that sense of are they going to bring bring along, you know, a premier wide receiver – are going to bring along somebody that can, you know, fulfill that for Lamar because it's cool, but it's not enough with Garnett Margano just leading this team in, in, in uh, receiving yards as the tight end right now. And then we got Cleveland. So, but, and I would even just give it, yeah. Are we going one through four or just saying who we think is the best of the division right now for? I, I, I think we're, I mean, I think you kind of just laid them out there. And I, and I think okay. the thing with Baltimore that concerns me is kind of the points you made with, Lamar not knowing that and also just the way they have completely botched the receiver position around him. I I think that that gives me pause. They 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 bring along Deshaun Jackson who I personally love. Wow, what a big pickup. The guy's got maybe 2 years left and 2 years at most of him. Who knows who knows if he even play a full season. What are you doing? So yeah, it all comes along with that point. They also traded for Roquan Smith in the middle of the year, which might have that been was, the best trade to the yes. NFL team. <laughs> and just extended season. it. So, and, like, if you said – the Lamar thing is crazy. But if that doesn't work and you said that – I'm trying to think of a good receiver. If you said the Ravens got Derek Carr and Michael Thomas this offseason, would you DJ be shocked? Moore. 
Like that's the kind yeah. of thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. I if the Lamar thing doesn't work out, they're not going to play Anthony Brown next year. Like they're going to figure something out because right. there is some foundation of trust and they know their receivers aren't good enough. So there are going to be some receivers on the market and they might go get somebody. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they still have this defense and they might get pretty fixed pretty fast. And I would have more faith in Baltimore to do that than I would have faith in the Browns to do that right now. And I feel like this is the thing we're not allowed to talk about. What if like three years from now, we're sitting here and saying, man, good thing the Ravens didn't give Lamar Jackson $230 million. Cause Zach, he can't stay on the field all of a sudden. It could you happen. Know, I don't believe I mean, that's going to happen, but, no, but it, maybe it, that's, it, maybe that's how they're reading this. You know what? It could happen. I mean, they could go the franchise route and just kind of see how things go and, and see where this thing takes them. Uh, I mean, that is a very real possibility. All right. So our texters, I think fell into Browns fan mode. So, which I'd expect. These are the hardest core Browns fans. They went Cincinnati one, Baltimore two, Cleveland three, and Pittsburgh four. Get Jimmy Watkins on the line. He's got a story to write. <laughs> <laughs> so the Browns fans, you could just say like, which organization has more yellow in its uniform? The Browns or the Steelers, and people would vote for the Browns because there's not any Browns fans who are going to vote for the Steelers for anything. They're incapable of it, and that's great. They're Browns fans. They hate the Steelers. So it's like, hey, do you respect Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing record? What do you think of T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and George Pickens? And they're like, I still hate them. I have no – they can't help it. It's not a truth. It's okay. But it's wrong. It's wrong, but it's justifiable because they're loyal, dedicated, educated Browns fans. Mm-hmm. yeah okay there we go that is our poll of our football insider subscribers as i mentioned before if you want to get involved cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page you get a newsletter you get those exclusive stories and of course you can become one of our text subscribers and take part in polls like this uh you can get breaking news you can get analysis from us it's texted right to your phone you can avoid twitter all that good stuff um, and also just subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, Spotify. And as I mentioned, check us out on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. It's more than just our podcast up there. It's all sorts of highlights, practice clips. You can go back and see some of our standups and look at some of our thumbnails that we put up or who knows what kind of face I'm making in each one. So uh, check all that out. Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. Search that on YouTube and you'll find us. All right, that'll do it for this edition. For Mary Kay, Doug, Ashley, and Irie, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening.